Welcome to Interculture Podcast. Hello, welcome to our podcast. And as it happens, this is our first recording after publishing. It's a very exciting time for us. Yeah, it is pretty exciting. I feel like I'm doing something really cool and different. Wow, what a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> so other than our celebration how have you been doing today lately before i came here i went i stopped by in the mm, what was the what was the place that memo and all the other like guys like stop stop there for the eat you're talking about the yeah, yeah yeah okay well i'm not gonna put the name in the podcast because that is too revealing but i can't believe you forgot the name <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, that's the most famous place in the area, for Turkish people anyway. <laughs> yeah. I had some, like, they have, like, open buffet, which was pretty nice. Yeah? yeah and it was still, like, fresh. All right. Yeah, I had beef, beef stew with rice and salad. It was pretty good. Sounds okay. I mean, their their buffet's hit or miss, but if you get, if you catch it when they put out the dinner food, like, right after they put it out, it's it's good. As for me... Today, we, me and Memo went to look at a foster dog. Oh. Yeah. Which I had to drag him out of bed. Oh my goodness. He was like, Jenna, I don't want to get a dog today. And I warned him last night, you know, mm. via text. I was like, this is when yeah. we're getting up in the morning. And yeah, I'm, I'm mad at him too, uh, because <laughs> he sent me this, the worst hairdresser ever. In oh the in the New York, and then he shaved me like a like a donkey. So I look like a donkey. <laughs> no, you don't. Yes, I. No. I feel ugly because of whenever I listen mem listens memos advices, it le leads me somewhere like okay, I don't like come ending on. up. on, that's not true. There's sometimes <laughs> he has good advice, but maybe recommendations are no. Yeah, yeah, recommend. Uh, yes, recommendations about hair. However, you look fine. Thank you for putting it that way. I, I don't think you look ugly at all. <laughs> but yeah, I finally, it was like pulling teeth to get him to come. And I'm like, we need to leave in 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes. And then pulling him out the door. And he's like, let's take a pedicab. And I'm like, no, we're taking the subway. Let's take a taxi. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, fine. <laughs> I take the taxi. We only get there like five minutes late, but still, I was pissed. I did. He wouldn't have pushed him. He wouldn't he, like. He would not have even rose from bed. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we got there. We didn't take the dog because uh, it was so. It was a husky mix. <gasps> I love husky. It was a very beautiful dog, and I liked him a lot. But was it puppy or like two years old, maybe. Oh, okay. So still young, and. He was just very strong and running around a lot. And, oh. and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know, because our apartment is not very big for... Yeah, they are hyperactive. Yeah. Especially German Shepherds and Huskies. 
Yeah, which we've had a, a German Shepherd puppy here before. I remember that. And that was fine because he was smaller. She was smaller, but he was just had too much energy like and was too big and strong. Like I could just see him mm -hmm. like bouncing into the wall. <laughs> I don't know. I just I was too nervous about him being in this apartment. So I had mm. to say no. And I felt bad. And they're like, well, you know, your apartment's bigger than his kennel that he lives here at the shelter. And I'm like, I know, but. They're trying to guilt trip you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they liked us. They wanted us to take the dog, which made me feel happy that, you know, they approved of us. Okay. I did feel guilty, but I was like, I just can't do it. The only way that this could work probably would be. Memo, get up really early in the morning and take him for a run. And it could be a good exercise for him too. Oh. That's, yeah. th this could work out really well because if you give him a space that he, he can empty his energy, he wouldn't be bouncing around here. Yeah. Taking the dog out a lot is fine, but do I see Memo getting up early to take the dog out? No, not in hell do i see that happening? yeah but it, it will be a good reason like it will be a reason to rose up well maybe you can talk to memo about <laughs> doing that whole plan but i'm not even gonna yeah. attempt it yeah i'll tell him all right well anyway i haven't seen him exercise in years oh and last year he was going to the gym a lot and he looked great he looked i mean really good to me um <laughs> okay <and laughs> Just relax. Right. <laughs> and then um, we went to Turkey and his family was like, Bet him with they're like, oh pastries. my God, you're dying. You're so skinny. <laughs> and he was like eating really? broccoli and like steak and exercising every day. And he looked the best I'd ever seen him. And then they just fattened him up and. He had a big belly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. It was like. An immediate turnaround. Oh. It was just, and then he has he hasn't got back into his routine. They just they just ruin your men. Well, I was a little angry at them. Not gonna <laughs> lie, I was very attracted to him. Did, did they really think that he was like skinny? Like did yeah, they... that's just how they are. If they see that you're at a healthy weight, they're like, we have to fuck that up. That's unacceptable. <laughs> well, you see how I look so you can yeah. imagine how was my childhood <laughs> yeah we've discussed it and it doesn't sound great it sounds yeah, torturous like, oh yeah anyway what were our topic today it's about aging right and attitudes towards the elderly and elderly care that kind of thing yep and that difference between decades are like getting more and more extreme Staying alive longer? Is that what you're talking about? No, like the, the cultural difference. Okay. The norms changing. Yeah. Yeah, you're and right. That's why it's really like hard to sometimes connect with an elderly person. For me, I personally don't have a hard time relating to people in the older populations. I mean, I know we've talked about like boomer generation mm -hmm. and how they had a very different life growing up. But... Outside of that, I don't, I don't feel that alienated from them, personally. I don't too. I know how to have a communication in a respectful way because I got raised by my grandparents too, as mm -hmm. much as my, my mom. 
but there's something about that makes me really annoyed. The way of their their thinking. Mm. I mean, I had a I had a guest the other day, an elderly guest. He was complaining about things that even that doesn't even matter. I had a like water filter in my place, a burrito. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like complimentary. It's always there, and I told her like, "Oh, you can use that instead of using the tap water." Okay. And then she complained that I wouldn't like fill up the water. Do people? If they use the last of it, they just fill it up after themselves or what? If you drink from that, you should fill it up. I shouldn't be telling you that. I mean, why would I be telling you that? It's pretty simple. Hmm. She left a really long comment. Oh. Is there a view? So, yeah. She's, I already told her, like, I'm a student, you know, I'm trying to, like, save some money so I can send, I can support my family and blah, blah, blah. That's why I'm doing this. Yeah. I wasn't, like, giving the benefit of the doubt. Why would you? complain that about old people it just makes me (laughs) yeah that is a thing that's definitely a thing (laughs) and i think you'll hear that from um waiters and waitresses talking about how people in the boomer generation are the worst customers they're like (laughs) not forgiving and they don't relate to that they live the best of our century with a small amount of salaries in their in their youth live really affordable back then you know yeah so they were like able to build their wealth working half of the amount of that we work these days right and they were able to buy houses and cars and build their retirement well i think we just have to look at their experience limiting their perspective not that they are more malicious of a generation that's not true it it was Sorry, it was more reachable. I wouldn't want to say like they wouldn't work hard compared to what we are going through. It's easy. It was easier. It was easier. And I think they still have the expectation that things should be easy for them is the problem. That's the problem. And then they think that we are are the lazy. We have to remember the lack of emotional skill sets that were being provided for them at that time because the people who raised them were the product of war and depression era like lack of food yes they've been going through that yes and being raised by these people who have a scarcity mindset and also who have trauma that prevents them from being emotionally available that gets internalized and then they see my parents are acting like this is a very difficult time that life is hard and then what they experience is a lot of success in their life that would cause them to have less of an understanding of the hard work and struggle to maintain that lifestyle they just don't have a a measurement for that and then yeah like i was mentioning lack of emotional availability And that just leads to some of the more like narcissistic behaviors that you see and ridiculous expectations. Don't tell me about it. Yeah. But I don't think. I lived that. (laughs) That is 100% all boomer generation. I don't want to color them the way that my generation has been colored. And I think, yes, there is a trend for that. But of course, there's always trends when you talk about people who experience the same history growing up under the same social conditions 
So of course there's common threads, yes. And like like I mentioned, people in retail, people in the service industry do talk about that age being the worst towards them. So there is something there, but I don't want to alienate those people and write them off. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be harder for them as they do get older because they will have less uh, potency, shall we say. They'll be more reliant on others. And that will be, I think, very hard for them. And they might be like the last generation that can afford to retire, won't worry about housing and medications, because nowadays in the United States, it's increasingly difficult to have resources to retire and to be able to pay for medical care for a lot of people in the future. It's just going to be out of reach. And we all, I think, have heard millennials don't have savings like that. Like we mm-hmm. are not ready for retirement. I don't, I don't see it getting that much better for Gen Z either. Exactly. Well, in Turkey, you take care of your own parents when they get old. They don't want to get elderly care house. Well, I think people here take care of their parents when they get old. But yeah, sometimes you do need to send their parents to a care facility just because their lifestyle does not like afford them the time or resources to care for that person. I'm afraid of getting old. I'm not afraid of getting old, but I have that anxiety about time passing. And for me, it comes from like wasted time. I'm wasting. And I don't, I'm not prepared for that. I don't have, can secure my future, you know? I mean, I'd say like, 90% of my stressors are finance related (laughs) (laughs) in my life. So yeah, if that was not a concern, maybe feel a little bit better about time going by like that, but, or maybe not, I don't know. With getting older in terms of anxious about time going by, you have less to look forward to and that you're getting closer to your death. When you're at middle age, you're supposed to be financially secure, be secure mm-hmm. like in your family. Mm-hmm. It feels like that is very fast approaching and you're like, well, I don't have that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like, you know, like in Japan, they have this high speed trains. Yeah. Yeah. My life is like, I feel like I'm going to middle age. It's like that, you know, I'm like reaching that point really. When you're on the train, you like get sick because it's just uncomfortably fast. Yeah. That's, that's your life, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> that's, that would be the best definition. It's quite grim. <laughs> it is sad, isn't it? You know, I've been hearing about midlife crisis research lately, which is so interesting because I think... Well, people don't really talk about midlife crises that much these days. I think it was it was more like of a boomer thing, and now they're past that hump. But apparently, midlife crisis has it could have a biological cause. When you're a teenager, your brain is still developing, right? Yep. And like the thing is, your brain does not develop 
at the same rate in each part of your brain. Mm. Each part develops at its own pace. And that's why teenagers, there's a lot of risk-taking behavior because our prefrontal cortex is like the last part of our brain to develop, which controls judgment and decision-making, planning. So as your brain declines, the same phenomenon happens. Different parts of it age at a different rate. So when you talk about at middle age, your brain does start to decline, sadly. The, the parietal lobe and the frontal lobe have the most decline at that point in time. There's several factors, both genetic and circumstantial, that are going to determine how quickly your brain declines. But at that point in time, in those areas of your brain, you can start to feel more disconnect socially because the part of your brain that helps you to understand other people's thoughts and motivations is starting to decline at that point in time more quickly than other parts of your brain. Going through that point in your 40s and 50s, you are kind of in a depression and it's almost biologically determined, but it upswings. Once you get to late 60s, 70s, you're happy again. It's just a temporary point in midlife and it's observed in chimpanzees as well as humans. It's a biological phenomenon. Wow. Yeah. I just thought it was fascinating. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to my 40s and 50s depression years. I don't know about you. (laughs) But the good news is that even though you will maybe go through a hard time in midlife, you have your elderly years, which are a little more positive to look forward to. Yeah, before you die, of course, you don't want to live happily. But I think the attitudes towards elderly people is pretty similar across cultures. Yeah. We want to care for them and like give them attention. Yeah. Do you think younger generation is not respectful as much as before? I don't see myself being disrespectful to an elderly person, but I used to have fights with my grandpas. Mm-hmm. And then they would like read that as some sort of disrespectfulness towards the elderly. Having a debate with them? Yeah, having a debate, yeah, like basically. I don't like that idea. <laughs> should be able to debate people who are older than you. I think here, like, it does seem like respect towards the elderly is not quite the same as it once was, but I'm not sure it's in a point where people are just disrespectful and and mean to elderly. I don't feel like that's the case, Mm -hmm. but it's just now we all like live separately. You know, we don't have our grandparents in our home growing up and usually people like move away from their family and maybe people are a little more self-centered yeah because it's a little more socially acceptable now to be focused on your your own needs in your own life or am i wrong no you're not wrong i definitely would like to have a friend elderly you know there's a program that i've been thinking about signing up for yeah where they match you with a homebound elderly person and and you do like zoom calls with them Mm. i'll talk about history with them you know yeah use them as my personal 
<laughs> History teacher. <laughs> but how about in Turkey? I uh, believe the government takes pretty good care of the elderly population. Yeah, Turkey is a social-minded government. So when it comes to elderly care, the government provides some certain amount of health care. It's mostly free to elderly people. And what's like people's attitudes about that? Are they happy with? They like, love it. Yeah, that's why they vote for him. <laughs> okay. I remember, like, when my grandparents they used to like walk around with this bag of pills. <laughs> I would say, like, are you like taking all of this in a day? Yeah, that's how I how I live. My grandparents take a huge amount of pills every day. Do, do they use them like as some sort of a guinea pig? <laughs> do they need to give me that? much of pill in order to keep me alive people keep saying oh human life got better like got longer because of the medical advances is that the result now <laughs> well okay here's the thing people have lived for a really long time always but now a greater portion of the population lives to those years and that is a result of medical intervention yep. it's not like that's true it's not like medicine has made it so, wow, humans can now live this long. No, it's just that most people got sick or had medical problems or whatever, were lacking in nutrients or something, and were unable to like reach that age. But now more people can reach that age is the thing. I read something in the EU. For every three elderly people who cannot work, there is one working age person they put a huge amount of their economy like into elderly care but the problem is there are so many elderly people there's not enough people to care for them the quality of the care is plummeting because mm -hmm. the demand is not met there's more people who need health care that can provide it mm -hmm. like way more and of course, not every single young person is going to be in healthcare or be in an like elderly care facility. There's mm -hmm. a myriad of jobs <laughs> that need filled. It's a serious problem. It's yeah, so I, th crazy. I think I have a theory for this. Okay. We're going to reach some point that we are going to overcome that with some sort of an artificial invention. Oh, like robot care? <laughs> yeah, like robots. I think they're already kind of doing that. That is a solution, but you also have to look at one of the biggest problems that elderly people face is social isolation and loneliness, which is a huge factor for their health. Yeah. And healthcare is at least one slice of social interaction they get. I think you can invent a robot for that too. I don't think you can, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> the robot's going to be your friend and talk to you? Yeah, I mean... Old people are not going to be okay with that because we of didn't course. grow up with robot friends. We grew up with real friends. I know, I know. <laughs> but if it's... In a few generations, people will be more used to having robot friends or like hologram friend, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And that technology is going to be really good. But people like in our generation are not going to be as accepting of that. But I think maybe in the future... Because you see, like, that guy, where was he from? Japan? Where he, like, married a hologram of an anime girl? Yeah. Yeah. I think I heard something similar to that. Yeah, like, people are having these weird one-sided relationships with technology, right? 
and it's real to them and perhaps it does satisfy some social need right now it's going to be too weird for us but in the future when people are more used to seeing holograms all the time which holograms are becoming like more sophisticated every day right then those people will be like okay yeah i am interacting with something this is filling my social bar like on the sims and they're gonna be fine maybe but i don't think the world is ready for that right now (laughs) and i don't even think in my parents generation i can't even see them getting health care from a robot i think they would really hate that too definitely would be the saddest thing of all if you have children that you raised 20 or 30 years spend millions of dollars for their education and then one day you become old and wrinkly and then they just put you in a somewhere a machine would take care of you that's that's a heartbroken thing that's why i don't want to have kids <laughs> this is a big thing across cultures there the expectation of parents like having your children i mean for some people they are their parents retirement plan yeah my children exactly. are going to fund me they're going to take care of me in my old age. I don't have to lift a finger. Exactly. I mean, that's not fair, of course, but I expect a certain amount of attention from your own blood. So if I would have kids, I would want to be near them. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I promise I would be really nice. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't be grumpy. I, would, I wouldn't talk much, you know. I would just want to, like, play with my grandchildren and stuff, you know. You would be a good dad and granddad. <laughs> I believe you. I'm just saying that If you're a caring and nurturing person and you create that relationship with your children, then yeah, your children should feel like a sense of wanting to care for you back the same way that you cared for them, right? Like, I think that's just... Actually, I wouldn't want to be burdened, so... Going back to maybe something we discussed in the past, Confucian cultures and the idea of like filial piety parents their entire life based around their children's success and once they reach elderly years it's like well i still have this high expectation for my children to provide the best absolute life for me like i will always be their priority i still see see that as a huge problem a huge cultural problem exactly i think it's less of an issue here Mm mm-hmm People feel obligated to care for their parents because they love their parents and they want to care for them. Like my mom and dad did so much for for me and I love them. I want to do the same for them when they need it from me. It's not like you have to do it. Otherwise, you are an outcast in society, you know? Yeah, but you do it naturally. But there is still this stigma around not having that relationship with your parents. I think it's just misunderstood. It's still like hugely stigmatized in this country. And it's sad and alienating for those people. My grandma is sick right now and my aunt and my, my mom, they're taking care of right now. They take her to the doctor and then feeding her and stuff. I wish to be never in, the, in that position for my kids. When I'm like old, if I need a care like that, you know, I would feel really sad to make other people have to take care of me. Even if they would be like willing to do that, I would still feel not comfortable. I think a lot of people feel so uncomfortable and upset about needing other people Mm -hmm. for their daily life. Don't want to feel helpless. I wouldn't do well with that either. 
I could see myself being like, I'm sorry, I'm a burden on you, you mm. know? <laughs> yeah, that's like, why I wish to be dead by then. All right, well, don't say that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want you to be dead even if, <laughs> what if we slow the podcast? <laughs> we're, we're really old. 3019 episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I missed my medication today. <laughs> yeah, I have to check my blood sugar now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems far away, but it's not that far away. Here's another statistic for you. 15% of Japan's population is over the age of 75. Not surprising. What else? Okay. In the Netherlands, 3 to 4% of the entire GDP is spent on elderly care. Wow. 3 to 4% of the GPD. Oh, wow. Yeah. Usually, like, you spend 1% or 2% of your GPD to your agriculture. So, 3 4 4%, it's... Phew. Yeah, it's a lot. A lot. But they have an aging population. Same problem in all of Europe. More old people, less births. I do understand the concern about the country becoming culturally synonymous with the immigrant population because just because so many countries in Europe, the population is decreasing rapidly, but the number of immigrants is increasing like every year. Aging population that is going to be, that's going to continue to be their concern. They don't want to see the country in which they grew up in changing like that. Demographics changing so much. The country of my youth is gone and dead. That is very upsetting for people. I think like as people age, that's going to be a struggle for them because they're going to feel dead too. I don't have to immediately dismiss them as like racist, xenophobic jerks or whatever. I understand how they would feel some of that cynicism. Well, it is a little wrong, but yeah. I mean, people, when you're young and like fresh and having these experiences, you're not as concerned about legacy and what you leave behind. But when your younger days are over, that is what is left for you. You know you're going to die. So you just think, what's going to be left of me when I'm dead? Thinking about, am I going to have children that, that are going to carry on me and my name? Or am I going to write a book that people are going to continue I'm to read? I'm pretty like, sure and most of the Turkish people doesn't worry, doesn't worry about that at all. <laughs> they just sit in the cafes all day and drink tea and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> or play like board games. <laughs> I feel like that is a human inclination. I don't think that's a cultural inclination to want to be remembered and have an impact even if you're dead but inside yourself psychologically will be thinking that yes it's the same thing you see like people going to school board meetings and railing about how teachers are teaching children these demonic things and they're gonna turn them gay or to satan or whatever now Everyone's taking this fight to the schools, right? Because we all kind of know, whether we're actively thinking about it or not, that mm -hmm. the children are replacing us. Yeah. What's the next generation going to be? Are they going to like carry on my legacy or are they going to turn against me viciously? Mm -hmm.
now hardline Muslims and far-right Christians are like coming together as brothers to fight against the evil progressive pro-LGBT elites. <laughs> that's actually that's <laughs> prophecy. Oh yeah, it is. You're right. That's a prophecy. <gasps> Do you think the end of the world is nigh? I mean, that's one of the the signs, you know. Yeah, so that's Again, what you're saying, right? According to that we're yeah. all about to die. Yeah, according to Holy Book. But uh, yeah, it it clearly shows that that the world is about to see its apocalypse, and we should all be preparing and going to the mosque every day to try to beg God to save us. Basically, what should we be doing? Yeah. So you heard it here first. Pray as much as you can and go to mosque. God will hand over a magic a carpet and then you're going to rise up to heaven. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah, that's what's happening. That's what's going to happen. All right. Well, I'm converting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish also left, leave good memories on people. I'm, I'm going to remember you as way too obsessed with your haircut. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that, though. <laughs> All right. That's it. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Email us at interculturepodcast at gmail.com or follow us on social media at interculturepod.